Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of the Training with Tucker podcast. My name is Tucker Gross. I am an endurance athlete and I'm also a coach. And I started this podcast to put out short weekly episodes on a variety of different training topics to help athletes out there improve and have a deeper understanding of how to train. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed and listened, as well as given reviews and ratings on my previous episodes. So far, the interview episodes that I have done have been the most listened to, so I'm excited to announce that I'll be bringing on more guests going forward, and I'll be starting with an interview today with Craig Hunt. Craig lives, works, and trains in the running hotbed of Flagstaff, Arizona, but he grew up right up the street from me in Connecticut. And as you'll hear in this discussion, we actually ran against each other in high school. Craig went on to run for Central Connecticut State University, but it is his post-collegiate trajectory that is truly fascinating. Craig has become a very successful runner, qualifying for the 2020 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials with a blazing fast 215 marathon PR. He has also represented Team USA at the 50K Road World Championships in 2019, where he came in 10th, and he most recently had two incredibly impressive performances at the Hoka One One Project Carbon X 100K and the Black Canyon 100K. Craig is also a running coach. He has 12 seasons of collegiate coaching experience and is the lead coach at the Physio Shop in Flagstaff. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Craig Hunt. Craig, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Tucker. So uh, you and I grew up not too far away from each other. You were in uh, New Milford, Connecticut. I was in Newtown. And we actually competed against each other in high school. But I want to go all the way back to like your origin story. When did you actually start running? Uh, so, I mean, I, I think I've run like my entire life. I remember running some really low-key, you know, 5Ks and road races and stuff just growing up um, in elementary school and middle school and stuff. Um, my older brother was a runner, so kind of following in his footsteps. And then my dad always encouraged us to just be active and he would run the road races with us. Started running competitively a little in middle school. We had like a club team, um, but really took it more serious once I was a freshman in high school. We had a really competitive uh, program and team, so just uh, hunkered down and really put all my eggs in one basket, stopped playing soccer, and just went all in on running. As you mentioned, you were a part of some really competitive teams. You won a number of conference championships, I believe, every year you were there as part of a like 10-year run that New Milford won the, the conference championship. You, you had some teams that were very competitive at the state level as well. Uh, you won your, your class in, I believe, 07. I did a fair amount of research before this, looking back into some of the some of the stats that are online still of of all the the glory days for New Milford. But you know, you had some also some really great individual re results. You were top twenty five at, at state opens a couple times. Uh, but of all of the accomplishments that you had in, in your high school career, what would you say was the the highlight for you? Oh, uh, I mean, there was a lot. Like you said, like our team was so accomplished. So. Obviously, any team championship was really special to me, whether it was conference or state title. Um, but I'd say, you know, the most memorable moment in high school was uh, actually on the track. It was uh, the New England Championships 3,200 meter run. And I placed third um, out of all of New England, which was higher than any of my like state finishes. 
So that was really, really accomplishing to me to, um, you know, finish like second or third at states and like never win a state title, but then go and beat those state champions at New England's and, you know, finish third overall. Um, and it was awesome because the guy that won it was actually John Ranieri, who not, he was in my conference too. So I lost conference to him. Like I lost states to him. And then, yeah, I lost New England's to him, but it was kind of cool to kind of go head to head with him, like every step of the way and just know that the both of us came from the same conference and all the way up the qualifying, you know, ladder, we were going head to head. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll get a little into the, into John Ranieri later, but I actually didn't really go down the track rabbit hole too much. I, you know, focus more on the, on the cross country side, but really incredible that you, you knew you were a three sport athlete in, in high school. Uh, you went on to run at Central, and what was that that experience like for you to run competitively in college? Amazing! I wouldn't uh, give it up for anything, and I'd go back in a heartbeat. But yeah, I'm I'm just really lucky I had that opportunity to compete at Central Connecticut State University. You know, a smaller school that a lot of people don't know of if you've never been to Connecticut or didn't grow up there. But yeah, it was it was awesome. I'm I'm really glad I went there. Uh, my older brother went there for a period of time and then I followed in his footsteps and I love the coaching staff. They really understood me. Um, they were definitely geared towards a little more higher mileage program and that's exactly what I was in high school. And then I only grew more in love with that and, you know, ran even more miles when I was in college. So running, uh, running at that level, you know, is just you know, an opportunity that I would never pass up again. And, you know, I made some of my best friends, lifelong friends through running in college. And, uh, you know, it, it took me all over the country, it took me all the way, you know, California, Indiana, Florida. I got to travel to a lot of interesting places and cool places that I hadn't been before just for running. And something that I think a lot of runners deal with that when they're competitive through the high school and college years is burnout and something that we'll probably talk a little bit about more later, but I'm interested to hear what your experience was like with that, considering you were part of a, a high mileage coaching philosophy in, in college. Um, was that something that you dealt with at all or any injuries, burnout in, in your college years? So I wouldn't necessarily say any burnout, but, you know, I think our program was really good about, you know, running high mile weeks um, and in general across the board being high mileage. But we always had down weeks. We always took breaks after seasons. Um, so it was very well thought out to where I personally at least never burnt out. And even on the individual level, you know, my coach knew that we we're going to have some kids that, you know, only went to the conference level, but then there were others that would make it to a regional or a national championship. So everyone's training and mileage was structured specifically towards them, obviously with the, the team aspect um, in mind as well. You know, at, like every runner, I had some injuries. Um, I only had... I mean, I had one pretty good injury in college. I uh, just strained my hamstring pretty bad and didn't take the proper steps with, you know, strength training, physical therapy um, that I should have. And I was just being naive and I was young and didn't really know the science and stuff behind actually strength training. I thought I could just keep running through things. Um, and that came back to kind of bite me in the butt a little. I ended up only running three years of outdoor track of the five years that I was in college. Um, so that's something that I kind of regret a little is just not, not strength training a little more, not actually taking physical therapy a little more serious. 
because uh, I think I, de- I would have had a fourth season in outdoor track and potentially, you know, been at least a, a regional qualifier again. But um, you live and you learn, and uh, I definitely learned a lot from that that injury and that experience. And clearly you, you didn't burn out because your career after college seemed to really take off. And that's really what I want to chat about mostly today is your post-collegiate career. And so you, you qualified for the Olympic trials and the marathon. You've represented Team USA at the Road 50K World Championships where you took 10th. Um, you recently just started getting more into the ultra distance events. But first off, I want to go into the OTQ. Uh, what was the the path for you to get to decide that you wanted to go after an, an OTQ? Yeah, I mean, whose dream isn't to qualify for the Olympic trials? So that that's always been on my radar, um, especially this last cycle um, in 2020. I graduated in 2014, so I had a shot at making the 2016 Olympic trials. But I, at that time, I was definitely putting, I was coaching, and I was putting my coaching and my athletes before my own training. So. I'd say I actually had a good like two or three year period after college where I was definitely running and I was doing a few workouts here and there, but my racing and my competitiveness was on the back burner. Um, so I think that actually saved me from burning out um, even after college a little. Um, once I kind of stepped away from coaching a little more, from collegiate coaching, I, I put a lot more focus back into my training. Um, so that definitely came around 2018. So able to get some marathon experience. Um, and I knew stepping onto the starting line of my first marathon, which was California International um, in 2018, I believe, my goal was to qualify for the Olympic trials. And I, I'm lucky enough to have done that on my very first marathon. I ran 218.23, I believe. So, you know, a good 37 seconds under the standard. And I was able to to back that up with, you know, faster marathons and almost each time that I've, I've stepped on the line or at least more competitive, um, marathons. Right. So you go to Atlanta and you end up finishing an impressive 45th out of 175 male finishers. A ton of people that towed the line at Atlanta didn't finish most likely because of how brutal the course was or because they, you know, went all out at the beginning and, and kind of uh, burnt out and decided to maybe call it quits and, and go for something else. But an incredibly impressive 45th overall performance there on a really tough course and a tough day. What was that experience like in Atlanta? Uh, that experience, I mean, priceless. It was amazing um, to have that opportunity to race at such a competitive level especially like right before the pandemic started to, you know, really sneak in a a marathon there and one with thousands of people cheering you on um, was, was really amazing. My family was there. Uh, I had, I had friends, one of my roommates was in the race. So it was just a shared experience, like in all, uh, like you said, the course was brutal, definitely the hilliest and hardest course that I've ever run, but I wouldn't pass it up for the world. I, I didn't, um, I didn't put a ton of pressure on myself for that particular race because I knew I wasn't going to be top three. I wasn't going to make the Olympic team. Um, And a lot of people would probably, you know, are shaking their head like, why wouldn't you put yourself in the race and try to make it? But I just knew realistically that wasn't in the cards for me. So uh, I just wanted to finish as best as I could. And it was uh, it was good. If you look at the results, I was 45th and. My roommate was actually 46th, and we were 
uh, we have the exact same time down to the second, but I got the win because I out leaned him a little. So it was uh, just a great, great experience. I ran most of the race with him until maybe the last six miles or so. I, I, I made a move and I pulled away, but he came back to catch me and uh, we we crossed the line at the same time. But to be in a race with, you know, my friends, my roommates, um, and then just obviously all these professionals and these people you dream of competing against and wishing you can run as fast of to you know, have them in the same race and tow the same starting line with them, uh, you know, wouldn't pass it up for anything in the world. That's great. And good for you to have the the bragging rights in the house there. <laughs> yep, definitely. So you already mentioned John Ranieri, you know, it's really impressive that of the same era from when we were in high school, you've got John, yourself, Don Cabral has been to two Olympics. Um, and he was a, a stud in Connecticut for a number of years there. I'm sure there are a ton of others that I'm missing, but the three of you I'm familiar with, and you've gone on to have very successful running careers after high school, after college, and you were all very successful in high school, but there were a ton of others that were right up there in, in the state meets, uh, both on, in cross country and on the track. What do you think led to you and you and John and, and some others having very successful post-collegiate careers and while others have, have decided to not continue to pursue running? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's, you know, one clear answer to that, but I think it's just our dedication to actually continue to pursue it and our our personal enjoyment of running and training and racing. You know, I think a lot of a lot of runners, you know, go on to compete in college and then afterwards they really just kind of put it on the back burner and they they pursue their careers um over running especially if they're not getting paid for it and once you're out of it for a couple years it's always it's hard to get back into it and be as competitive you know as you want to be um but i you know i I always kept running i never took an extended time extended break off or anything so and i think i can say the same for john he actually lives here in flagstaff with me um i so i see him every once in a while i see the, the workouts he does and I think uh, we just both continued to run after college, and obviously Don Cabral ran right after college um, professionally, and you even had Cass Loxham was, I think, a year ahead of me. He ran professionally more in the, the middle distance races, um, so it's easy for them to continue to run when they're given you know, a professional opportunity and a contract, um, but I think for me and John, we uh, we just wanted to be competitive. We love running. We love the sport, so why why give up on something? that brings us so much joy and passion. Um, you know, you just keep running day after day, you're going to get stronger, you're going to get faster. And if you can just balance that with, you know, a, a good career and, you know, supporting family and friends, you're going to, you're going to continue to thrive and continue to run and have fun with it. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point about the, the professional side of running. And that's probably a rabbit hole that we can save for another time of, of how hard it is to, get paid and and run but um yeah i think it is it does come down to the passion right you guys you had to have the passion to continue running and do it for the joy and not for a paycheck because it it isn't always there i want to go now into what you've been doing more recently which is getting into the ultra distance events and so i believe your your first try at an ultra was in 2019 and you happened to win your first event, 50K, right? And set the course record. 
And I believe that kind of led you down the path towards getting named to the USA team for the 50K World Championships. Why don't you tell us a little about your your entry into the, the world of ultras? Yeah. So um, a little correction. My first 50K was actually about four weeks prior to the Mad City 50K, which which is what you just mentioned. So I my 50K debut was at USATF Championships. And I wanted to to win. If you won, you got an automatic selection onto the World 50K team. I unfortunately finished fourth um, in my debut. I still hit the qualifying time, but not the place. So I pretty quickly decided to turn around four weeks later and run another 50K, which was also an automatic qualifier for the, the World Championship team. Um, and I was lucky to be a little more experienced in that one. So I ran much smarter and yeah, I, I won it, um, against some pretty good competition. Kyle Masterson was there and, uh, set the course record. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to get that automatic spot. And then the second place runner, Kyle Masterson, he actually ran fast enough to also make the qualifying uh, standard and make the team. So, uh, it was going into the race. I mean, I had run marathons previously, and I think my my step into the ultra running was always something I wanted to do. I knew I was better as like the distances get longer and longer. And running my first 50K, it was on Long Island at USATF Championships, and that was a good opportunity for me to not only race my first 50K, but for it to be at a, a championship race and only being about two hours from my hometown, my, my brother and my my parents were able to come watch me as well so that was uh just gave me even more incentive to to run my first 50k i seem to be noticing a trend here of you trying back to back distances in a, in a short span so you you uh you then moved up more recently to the 100k distance and you your first attempt i believe going over 50k right was this 100k at the Hoka One One Project Carbon X where you ended up being the the last man standing alongside Jim Walmsley as as he and you pursued the the world record what was your mindset going into the event where you're towing the line going your first time at 100k and with a ton of people that are going for these world record times american record times what was uh, your mindset going into that? Yeah, my mindset going into it was uh, just put on a show. I wanted to help the other guys out as much as possible. I wanted to, um, you know, add to the the numbers that were up front. I could have absolutely started off at a slower pace, run a smarter race, finished faster, finished higher up place-wise, but that's not what the Hoka event was set up to do. It was set up to run a world record, and I wanted to be a part of that, whether I said it or someone else did, I just wanted to help along the way and, you know, make it as competitive as possible. Um, so yeah, that was my like main mindset going into it. And I really, I think unlike a lot of the other competitors there, I didn't have the pressure, um, of, you know, running a super fast time because I didn't train for that event specifically. Um, I had actually, so that event was January 13th or 20th, I believe. Um, and on December 20th, I had actually just run a marathon at the Marathon Project down in Phoenix. 
So I was coming off of a marathon, marathon training, not really ready to run 100K specifically, but I knew I was in shape. I just tied my marathon PR, um, so I knew I was in good shape, and I just wanted to take full advantage of that. And this 100K event was happening in my backyard. It was down in Phoenix again, and there were two other Flagstaff guys running it, so I wanted to... I didn't want to let them, you know, these guys that I run with and train with every once in a while, and I see out on the trails and the roads... I didn't want to let them kind of go for this world record and not be a part of it, not, you know, put my own, you know, neck on the line, you know, to try to set it. Uh, so, yeah, I was super happy with uh, being the last man standing with Jim Wamsley, especially when I didn't train specifically for that event. Yeah, it, it was great to watch. And they did a fantastic job putting that event on and the coverage of it was great. And to see everyone kind of drop off that world record pace and it was just you and Jim hanging on uh, about six minute pace, I believe just under for a hundred K, which was unreal to watch. Um, so really impressive debut there in a hundred K distance. And as I alluded to earlier with your, your 50 K back to back, you, you went for a hundred K back to back by following up your, your project carbon X with an attempt at the black Canyon hundred K, uh, about three weeks later, I believe. Yep. Three weeks later. Yeah. I tried to, uh, double back and do another hundred K this time on trail and, uh, ended up not finishing. Uh, but I did lead the race for about 53 miles and ended up dropping out. Just, uh, I strained my calf a little in the middle of the race early on was running through it. And it just kind of really brought up some, some other aches and pains that I had been dealing with, with my IT band and my knee just compensating. Uh, so really started fading and hurting pretty badly around 50 miles and i made it to about 53 and one guy passed me and then another guy was right on my heels and i kind of looked at my pacer that i had at the time and we walked a lot and we talked about it and i was like i kind of want to stop like i'm having a terrible time right now <laughs> so uh it got really hard and uh i think if i could go back i would uh I'd do it again. I'd race, but I would race much smarter. I went out a little quick, so I would just start off a little slower um, and try to have a faster, you know, last 10 miles or so. Well, that's the beauty of, of racing, right? Is that you learn something every time. And so it sounds like you learned some valuable lessons, but I give you a ton of credit for going all out at Project Carbon X and at Black Canyon, shooting your shot, seeing what you could do. And, uh, you know, I assume that you were, were you thinking about going for the Western States golden ticket? Was that the, the goal there? Yeah, that was absolutely the goal. That's what I had in mind the whole time. Um, so that's why I went with the front guys and they slowly fell off. And, uh, that's kind of was my main deciding factor is as soon as I was in second place and a third guy came up on me and passed by me, Eric Sensman, who lives here in Flagstaff. So I knew him personally, uh, as soon as he came up on me, I kind of gave him a little fist bump and I said, congratulations. And I, that's when I truly decided to, to turn around and go back to the aid station and drop out. Cause, uh, if I wasn't going to get a golden ticket, I wasn't gonna, you know, put my body through more, more misery and, uh, you know, the chance of getting hurt even more and not being able to run, you know, a spring marathon or another trail race, you know, later in the year. Well, that leads us right into the next question, which is what's next for you? Uh, so right now I am training for Grandma's Marathon in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, it's on June 19th. 
So that is what I'm training for currently. Um, still trying to get over a little uh, pretty beat up and a little injured from doing those back-to-back 100Ks, but there's no doubt in my mind I'll be back full swing training in the next couple of weeks and uh, hopefully, you know, running a, a PR at Grandma's because that's where my current one comes from. Awesome. And I mentioned in the intro that where you're you're currently working uh, at the physio shop, you're the lead runner. So why don't you just tell us a little about what you're you're doing there, and um, you know what what the training group looks like in with your your group there in Flagstaff. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I work at the physio shop. It's located in Flagstaff, Arizona. And what we do is uh, we have physical therapy, we have personal training, and then we have a running program. So I basically wear two hats in the company. I'm the lead personal trainer, and then I'm also the lead running coach. Um, So I have a handful of clients that I, I coach running anywhere from wanting to do a 5k on the roads to doing 24 hour trail races. Uh, I kind of coached that whole spectrum having experienced it all running shorter distances in college and on the roads and then running trails and ultra distances. So coach a handful of athletes there and they're by no means, you know, elite athletes or most of them never even ran in college. They're just, you know, your average Joe moms and dads. So it's really cool to work with the general population, but for them to, you know, have the drive and the passion for running that I have, um, for them to set a goal of running, uh, you know, under four hours in a marathon or just complete a 24 hour race is, you know, it's really cool for them to set those goals and me be able to help them reach them and succeed. And then the other side is personal training, which is exactly what you think of when, you know, you hear personal trainer. I design training and strength programs for individuals of all levels, whether they're in high school or middle school even, or if they have Parkinson's, if they're, you know, again, just an average person, you know, soccer mom, soccer dad, uh, kind of this whole spectrum of individuals. And it's really cool getting to work with such a diverse population uh, and, you know, athletes in high school all the way up to, you know, older clients that are literally just trying to you know, continue to walk and be strong enough to play with their grandkids and go about their day-to-day activities. All right. Well, that leads us into a couple quick hit questions here. And the first one I got relates to what you're just talking about there. If you could only program one strength training exercise for runners, what would it be? I'd go uh, an RDL, Romanian deadlift. Good one. Yep. Gets those glutes, gets the hamstrings, gets the, the whole posterior chain. That's my go-to. And let's see, any current show you're binging or book you're reading that you recommend? Ooh, uh, let's see. Currently, I'm watching Man in the High Castle, which is an old show, I know, but I never watched it. And then my number one book that I would recommend is uh, Anatomy of Running by Jay Dickery. I'll have to check that one out. I have not... Have not picked that one up. Appreciate the recommendation. It's a great one. Awesome, Craig. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. If people want to connect with you, find you, where can they reach you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is Coach Craig Hunt. Um, I honestly don't check it that often, so sorry if it takes a couple days for me to respond to you, but uh, I would definitely will get to you eventually. 
Fantastic. And I will put your handles in the show notes so people can reach out to you and follow along with all of the cool adventures that you are doing in your own training and with the athletes that you're you're coaching and uh, look forward to seeing how you do at grandma's. And I am sure that a, a golden ticket is in your future. So I'm excited to, to see you go after that next time. Thanks a lot, Tucker. Thanks for having me. There you go, folks. That was my chat with Craig Hunt. In this conversation, Craig and I chatted about his two recent 100K events, and I have linked both of the YouTube videos in the show notes. So if you want to go back and watch the fantastic coverage of those two events, you can. And if you're unfamiliar with what a golden ticket is, the Western States Endurance Run in California is considered by many to be the North American 100 Mile Championship. And entrance into Western is incredibly difficult. It takes most about seven to eight tries in the lottery to actually get a race bib. However, there are two 100K events, the Bandera 100K in Texas and the Black Canyon 100K in Arizona that offer two golden ticket entries for the top two male and top two female finishers. My coach, Ryan Miller, actually won Bandera this past January, which earned him an entry into Western. And Craig was leading Black Canyon chasing that golden ticket before he had to withdraw. I hope you learned something new and enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this one, I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating. And also, please share this with anyone who you think would benefit from hearing it. Check out my website at trainingwithtucker.com and feel free to reach out to me at tuckergrosscoaching at gmail.com with any questions about the episode or my coaching services. Make sure that you hit subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode, and I look forward to bringing you more information to help you become the best version of yourself.